And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. This is Nerder She Wrote because it's Friday. I'm Dave Dufour. And I just got to hear Seth threaten his kid with going to bed at 4.20 in the afternoon. Uh, Moe's got a fresh haircut that he did himself. Guys, we're back. Feels like we never left. It feel, it feel, no, it's been a while. I've missed you, kind of. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh it's been um, this this condensed off season has been uh, something that we've been asking for forever, and I re- oh oh no 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 listen this is totally a thing Seth now you've been on the team side for most of these the last few years right but we have all complained oh man I wish that they would shorten the time between the draft and free agency like let's just get this stuff over with because everyone's thinking about getting a vacation well. Uh, I think the draft and free agency being really, really close was chaos, and that was interesting. Having three weeks or four weeks between the draft, free agency, and the start of the regular season is absolutely nuts. Madness. Absolute madness. Yes. Yeah. Um, I still don't know. Like, I forgot today where Tony Bradley was, what team he was on. I forgot that he went from Detroit to, to Philadelphia. Um, I forgot something else the other day. Oh, I forgot Billy Donovan got hired as the Bulls coach. That's how crazy, like, it's just so condensed. So uh, I apologize in advance if I forget uh, where where someone it's is. It's going to happen to everybody. We're all going to at one I point know. watch a game and be like, yo, when did he end up there? Like, it's going to happen. Hey, it's, 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 the, the, it's the, the all-time degree of difficulty challenge for who he played for. <laughs> it, it's insane. And last night, well, we're recording this on Thursday. So last night, uh, we had a major shakeup as far as names go. Uh, I don't know that it changes the landscape of the league, uh, but Russell Westbrook traded for John Wall. I, right off the bat, I laughed. I get, I got the, I got the alert on my phone, and I thought that I had been tricked somehow, and and got a fake, you know, shams alert. Uh, it was not fake. The trade is actually real. The Wizards actually send a, a pick to Houston, which, you know, shouldn't hurt them in the lifetime of this. I think it, it doesn't it can't convey until 2023. So this trade can't bite them uh, too early. That's great. Really, it's just I'm going to trade you my bad contract for a guy we don't want for your bad contract for a guy that doesn't want to be there. And I don't know. I think the Wizards won. Mo told me I'm wrong on the ding. Seth, you just wrote that everyone lost. So what is it? Did everybody lose? 
Yeah. Um, I, so from Washington's side, um, the big thing is, is first of all, Westbrook probably helps them on the floor than, than not having wall. Um, but does it help them to like 35 wins and like the ninth seed? And then just the way Westbrook plays, um, how do their young guys develop? And beyond how do they develop, how do you get a clean look at evaluating like Rui Hachimura? Because anyone who plays with Russell Westbrook is playing, I don't want to say a different game, but there, but he, aside from LeBron, I don't think there's anyone in the league who, who kind of warps how a team plays more than, than Westbrook. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's, I kind of look at it like this is going to be Oklahoma city with Russ and PG. I just kind of think that's what's going to happen with the wizards, but you're right in terms of the young guys. Like I'm really curious how this is going to affect, you know, Denny Avia, you know, and, and all of that stuff. I think it's going to be a very, it was a weird trade. And I think I could see both sides of it. But at the end of the day, like when you think long term wise, I just think you just drafted a whole bunch of, you know, young guys, and and you're you're trying to see where they're at, and now you're not going to really know because you you're not going to get their full potential because Russ is going to dominate the ball as much as he is, and when he's not, it's going to be in Beal's hands. Right, and, and look, the Wizards don't want to be bad. They're going to be bad. But they don't want to be bad. So this isn't a team that necessarily wants to miss playoffs. Like they, I think they'd like to make the playoffs. Um, I, I this think is this, a, moves, this is a purga. This is a purgatory. I get trade, it. Though. I know it is. And, and but I, but I can understand if you're a basketball team that is like, well, we can get a little bit better. The money's the same. Maybe Westbrook is just an easier personality to get along with as an organization because it certainly seemed like the John Wall stuff had run its course. Um, but also, maybe Bradley Beal is just a little bit more amenable to to playing with Russell Westbrook at this point. I don't know. It, it's, it's how long does a, that last? It's a fascinating trade. It well, is, one one year. Mean, we 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 know the limits now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 pretty clear. No, the 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 side of it for the the Wizards though too. It's like, look, you get a guy you know is going to be healthy. You know, you're going to kind of have that lined up and you know it's it's hey we're going to be in the playing game this doesn't change anything it doesn't put them in a situation where like oh they're going to be the five seed in the east or something right. like that you know the east is pretty stacked as much as we talk about the west the east is pretty solid one through six at least you know and it's, it just puts them in the playing games and who knows if, if they can get freaky in that sense but i just don't it's like okay you know it's 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 you know all right that's all I got on, on that end for the Wizards. I wish I Again, had more. My, my first reaction was to just kind of giggle about it. Um, and, and then I recorded a couple of podcasts and just kind of talked myself into it for the Wizards. For the Rockets, first, go read Fred Katz's stuff on John Wall and his preparation for coming back and playing with this new Bradley Beal, the, this this more fully formed version of Bradley Beal who has the ball in his hands because I think it is a good primer for best case scenario, healthy John Wall playing next to James Harden. Because if he's healthy and if he looks like he did four years ago, which he probably won't, but remember those two injury plague seasons that he had before the two seasons he just missed, they said were related to the, the heel and Achilles issues. So let's say he's healthy. 
He's older, but he's healthy. If he could be 85% of John Wall, that's still a pretty good player. Now, has he improved his shooting? This is the stuff that, that Fred has covered. He says he has. He can come off screens now. He can catch and shoot. Well, Mo- he's I mean, he's always been a he, he's always been a decent. I mean, not always, but but in the last couple of years, fine. He's, yeah, he's been a, he he just doesn't do it much, and that's right. and that's you know that was going to be an issue, like the willingness to to do it and just you know mm-hmm. catch and fire. A lot of guys who when they kind of move from a from a, a lead guard to uh, you know, a combo guard or an off guard role that that's kind of a, a tough switch to flip because, you know, you're playing the off guard and you just catch and fire. Whereas a guy who's used to being the lead ball handler, just the, the, uh, the, the tendency is to want to like, you know, survey and do something. And now you're just in the, in a spot where you just got to catch and let it fly. And so that's, that was going to be an adjustment for him with Beal. And, um, you know, given that the, the pecking order in Houston is going to be um, even more clear than it might have been in Washington. Like he's going to have to do that. So um, he has the ability, whether or not that that just that that comfort level for doing it is there is going to be the big thing. Um, health aside, and, and sure. I think we're going to get to that more. Well, well, Mo, all right. You hosted Brody in the Beard. You know this Rockets team like the back of your hand. Um, they got a new coach. Yeah. There's no guarantees that the offense is going to be the same. Now, I think it will be because how are you installing a whole new offense with three weeks? So I think you're going to you're going to see a lot of D'Antoni leftovers. But, I mean, they need to change it a little bit, I think, right? Like the personnel just is not the same. One, I think they need to change it a lot. And you can't be afraid of the fact that you just have three weeks of training camp and whatnot. You just have to go. And that's, flex. you know, you just got to run the flex you, offense. You just got to put it. all your, your stuff together. And one of the reasons why they went with Steven Silas was they liked what he did offensively with the Mavs, you know, and, and, and they, they feel like he can change things up. And this is kind of where I like the wall pickup for them. It's not like, again, when I say it's good for them in the sense of it sure as hell wasn't going to work Harden and Westbrook again. We saw it last year. It just wasn't going to build together. They added big guys. So it wasn't even like we were going to play that extra small ball lineup where Westbrook was most effective. But what I think is going to matter is that, you know, Wall's pretty good, you know, spot up shooter in a catch and shoot situation. I think for his career, he's around like 36% or so. I just wrote it. And of course, that means I immediately forget the stats after I hit post. Um, but the it, uh, last couple of years, he's actually, the last couple of years he's played, he's actually been up around 38. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it was weighted down because of his beginning years, you know, early yeah. on. But like he's, he's improved there. So it helps in that sense of he's a better catch and shoot guy than Russ. But I think ultimately for the Rockets, and this is going to come down to whether Harden is willing to change. Now look at it this way. He brought Dwight Howard came in, ran Dwight Howard out. He wanted Chris Paul. He pushed for the Chris Paul trade, you know, and, and they got Chris Paul. Two years later, he was tired of Chris Paul injuries, all that stuff. And he said, no, bring Westbrook. This is going to be different because he's actually a close friend of mine. And that didn't even last a year. I mean, that only lasted a year, excuse me. You know, and now it's a situation of Harden's going to have to change with it. And I think Silas has got to come in and use this is the opportunity right now. If you're Steven Silas, you got to just say, we got to change the offense. We're always going to have your isolation game. We're going to build that into the offense. That's going to be part of it, but we got to change it and we got to move him off ball. I think he's doing himself a disservice as well. 
I think if he works off ball, if he works kind of setting a screen and moving a little bit more and things like that, he'll add more gravity and he'll open the door, you know, for a more, not more explosive, but more powerful dynamic offense for the Rockets. Whereas I felt like they were so one dimensional for the past few years. And I think the biggest place that might show up is late in games against good teams. Because I feel like that, I mean, the, the stats have, have, have been, you know, the third and second halves of playoff games, his, his shooting has dropped off a ton. And I don't know if it's, it's, it's fatigue per se, but a combination of fatigue and sort of defensive comfort with, okay, he's going to rock and he's going to rock the baby a little bit and then step back and shoot a three. And we're fine with that. Right. Um, and, and he, so now he's just a switching between that up the tackles a running back right now. There's no variance to his game at all. You know where the you know what's happening, and in the playoffs, I mean, Mo talked about this during the playoffs. I've talked about this for you can for just years. Be ready with them. for it with yeah. them. You know their their whole. This was my problem with their philosophy. You just know where the attacks are coming from. You know, and it's easier to defend when you add a little more versatility, a little more unpredictability. You know, defenses have to account for that. It's they're not a hard scout. They're hard to defend, right. but they're not a hard scout. Seth, do you think that adding another passer, because John Wall is a, an excellent passer, I mean, a gifted passer, do you think that could help them quite a bit? Like, because Harden, we know, is fantastic, but I mean, John Wall is no slouch. I think to the extent they they do a, a, a more conventional things on offense, yes. Um, I think it, like, his passing ability was probably going to be if if they do like the they they try to do like the five out stuff and and maybe christian wood running around in the middle of the floor uh his passing ability is probably going to be a little wasted um like eric gordon's a pretty good passer too and he hasn't really been able to show it in in houston just because their offense is so um it, it is so station to station almost so if they if they do run something a little you know, more standard a little more mid pick and roll uh, I, I think that Wall will have have the opportunity to, to use, well, like you said, his his really excellent vision and, and passing ability. Yeah. Well, go to the Athletic because Seth wrote that it's not going to work, and we want to hold it against him if it does work. And Mo over at Bleacher Report actually wrote, "Here's what it looks like if John Wall is healthy and and, and can do the things that we think he can do." This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay. Bad news. For the Warriors, we we talked about this a little bit before. Clay Thompson, towards Achilles. This completely changes the landscape for that team, for the foreseeable future. Not just this season, but I, I'd say it's going to affect next season and potentially the following season. He instantly became the worst contract in the league. 
if he wasn't already. We don't believe in the Warriors anymore, do we? I mean, how much did you believe in them before all of this? You know, like I thought it. Well, it, we know I believed in them maybe too much. Shocking, Dave. You you with well, you listen. with a you with another wrong take. Um, they got one of the <laughs> they've got one of the ten or fifteen best players in the league. No, I well, in in history, by the way. Yeah, not the league. No, I listen. I I put them as equal footing with everybody else. Um, probably behind the Lakers, but like they were in the mix for sure. It wasn't that it wasn't for me. I didn't feel like they were a guaranteed of they're going to make a run and all that stuff. But you know, it, this is a big blow. And when you were talking about it, just the way you were kind of putting it all together there, Dave, I think this is going to affect them for the next several seasons, you know, like this is across the board, you know, you make, I think they recovered well getting Kelly Oubre and, and all of that, but this is a tough scenario for them because, you know, Clay did so does so much for that team. It's hard to ever really replace that. I, I mean, I think you're soft selling that a little bit. I think it's over. As you know, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, and you're it's like you know, there's going to be a little bit of the lion in winter thing with with Steph as he ages. Mm-hmm. But as far as like their run, it just it's it's you know, barring. Um, you know, some uh, development, uh, the unforeseen development from Kelly Oubre James, or James, James Wiseman, Wiseman is just suddenly be, right. yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's, it's, it, you know, and that's, and that's how these things work. I mean, they had it, they had a lot of things go their way in building the dynasty. And now that like the luck is evening out a little bit is over. And that's not, you know, that, that that's sort of the natural way of things in, 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 in sports and in the NBA. And there's a hell of a run. Five years. I mean, it's longer than yeah. most. I mean, absolutely. No, absolutely. Like five straight finals, three titles. Like, they, like that's that that's incredible. I mean, We're going to talk is about a dynasty. We will talk about the, that Warriors team, the Curry Warriors, forever. Yeah, there's no. I mean, this is this yeah. is plain and simple. It's you know they're part of the D club, the dynasty club. Oh, that came out weird. Um, there. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty folks, it's been a while since we potted. <laughs> they're part of the dynasty club. You know, they're they're up there with everybody else, you know. And and this is sometimes this is how dynasties end. You remember like Ethan wrote that a while back, you know, and, and everybody thought, okay, well, this will be a gap year, then next year they'll be back. But sometimes the ending isn't all that, you know, happy and you don't get to ride off in the sunset. Sometimes it just goes down with, you know, an ACL and an Achilles injury for the same guy. Yeah, I think we I think we have to we we have to to tease that out a little bit because like last year was as we said was a gap year. Steph gets hurt, Clay misses the season, Draymond takes the year largely sabbatical. off. Sabbatical. Yeah, like you know there, but I, I don't think anyone would would say that he was really there. Um, and you know, an ACL injury, you you a year later you come back from, you can be the same guy or close to. I. I really, at this point, do not think that that you can you can with any confidence say that about a guy coming back from an Achilles. Um, and so that's you know they were already a team that's just by nature of being that good for that long, you get hollowed out a little bit. And now one of the big pieces goes and is not going to be the same guy. And you know that's that's where you end up. I mean, and this uh, ties in perfectly to the piece that you did, the interview that you did with Dr. Josh Baxter on Achilles tears and 
I was shocked to see that 39% of people who have suffered Achilles tears and just never come back. It, it feel that feels like an insane number. Obviously, I mean, you, some of that's from before, like when you know yeah. we were using popsicle sticks to repair Achilles tendons. Well, it's it's also just like you, you you think about like the number of of guys who are on an NBA roster who just kind of come and go. Like uh, Xavier Henry blows out his Achilles and never never returns. It's yeah. like okay, that, well, you're not getting another so, chance because you barely yeah, got the and and, and and also guys kind of at that lower level like they don't have any any. Thing to spare, um, so the guys who, I mean, the guys who do come back tend to have been sort of the the better players to begin with, like a kind of a, a low rotation guy coming back, like a like a, a Jonas uh, Jonas Jerebko is is uh, is unusual that a guy who's just kind of a you know an eighth guy and tears his Achilles and then comes back and is, is serviceable. The the two most recent guys that I always think about now are Wes Matthews and Rudy Gay. They, first of all, they came back so fast, and and it felt like those were the first two guys to really have that short turnaround. Obviously, we've seen it since. Rodney Hood had a really short turnaround. Um, you know, we're going to see him soon. Uh, I and I think about Rudy Gay and his athleticism, and it didn't really look like he lost a lot of it. But certainly, he's a different player. He's his game has changed a lot. I think he, I mean, he is part, part of the thing, his athleticism was he was not just, you know, explosive vertically. He was also a big, strong, wide shouldered guy. And he's leaned much more into that kind of bump a guy off and elevate. He's gotten older too though. Yeah. But he's, but he, but he is post Achilles. He is, he is, you know, gone very much towards like the old man aspects of his game. And, you, I mean, he's he's the obviously we're going to move to talk about Kevin Durant, so why not do now? Um, there you go. And he's sort of the 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 best case scenario, and I think that you know that bump a shoulder guy off and rise up. I don't think KD is as well built for that as as Rudy Gay is. Just you know by physiological standards, I don't I don't know. I, he's a good post up guy, and not that you're going to run. 10 post-ups a game for KD, but I mean, his points per possession on post-ups are really good. I mean, he's still seven feet tall and I don't think he's going to be a worse shooter. I, I, I think that based, especially based on my conversation with Josh, uh, with, with Dr. Baxter is like a lot of the, the sort of the quick up in the air separation that he can get. Like that's the kind of stuff that, that, that goes. Uh, it's just it's it's the analogy like we used was it's it's like you know the tendon is like an elastic band almost and you know if you have a pair of shorts and the elastic goes, it's not coming back. And so now like your first push when you're going up into the air isn't driving yourself up in the air. It's taking up that little bit of slack. And so that's you know how like what kind of degradation is that i mean he he said it's you can you know you can expect anywhere up to like 10% degradation in ankle function and how and how that translate to basketball function we don't really know but it's it's not nothing and the margins are so small that that any sort of loss and especially in those kind of dynamic movements those kind of side to side um, you know, the lateral kind of hopping movements and stuff like that. If you if you lose a little bit that area, like all of a sudden the shot that you created, you know, six feet of space, you now create three and a half feet of space. Like you can still make that shot. 
I think, but it's like a five percent well, lower shot. And you're also going to be less flexible. Yeah. And flexibility is one of the most underrated aspects of of athleticism, especially in the NBA. I, I actually I, now I'm going to just be watching the shin angle of Kevin Durant all season and see if that changes. That's something I haven't even. I pay a lot of attention to to shin angle. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but when, when you're driving to the basket or around guys, yeah, the elite of the elite have just insane amount of angle on the, on that shit. And yeah. it's crazy. So I wonder if that's something, and this is again, just popped in my head. And I wonder if that's something that changes for guys post Achilles. But I, th- I, don't I, know. I think to going back to kind of KD kind of coming back a little bit from this, I think first off, nobody comes back the same after the Achilles, right? You're just not the same person. You have to change your game a little bit. You have to make adjustments. I think he'll lose more in the, you know, in his around the basket game explosion type stuff. The thing for me about his shot, though, you know, as much as, you know, it's it, everything you said, Seth, and everything that I, I, the doctor, you know, said in the article, and by all means, I'm not going to argue with the doctor about the explosion of being able to come up. His advantage always as a shooter was that he was seven feet tall, you know, yeah. and it's like, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of it was, you know, and I could be wrong and we might see it this season, but I don't know how much of it was I, I, I got up quicker than the other guys. Like it felt like maybe right. Clay it's different because clay kind of just gets up quicker and stuff. But I always felt like Katie's advantage was just his size in the shooting. And I don't feel like that's going to change that much. Maybe guys will get a better contest, but I don't know if it would tweak it too much. Um, It's it's also though, the threat of the first step because of the the handle, like I think that that ties into that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all part of it. But I, again, I just still think at the same time for KD when, when KD went up to shoot most guys, even if they're, even if they were contesting from the very beginning, they would their their hand would stop and he's still rising up to shoot. Now he may not explode as high or or whatnot. We have to see all of this, but I I'm, I'm not as concerned about that. I am worried defensively where he's going to be at, and that's also my problem with the Nets. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you know, in that in that area because he made such big strides as a defender in Golden State and even a little bit in Oklahoma City before he left. Like, I just feel like that's where he's going to lose a lot of that. And that's where we're going to be like, damn, that's where that Achilles came from. His, his, his ability as a backline helper. I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be the same or, or necessarily anywhere close, especially this first year, I should say, right? Like the first year back is always the roughest. I, I think that they're going to struggle there on the, on that end. I don't know if Deandre Jordan is, you know, the guy that's going to be able to help carry that you load. Know. Okay. Yes. He's not going to be able to help carry that load. Uh, Jared Allen, uh, is he going to get an opportunity to, and if he does, is he going to be able to, I don't know. Um, you got Kyrie Irving at the point of attack. I think the defense there could be pretty bad. Are, are, are people overestimating the nets? Mo? I think so. I think we're, we're, here's the thing. Everybody wants the nets to be good for, for one reason and one reason only Steve Nash. Right. Everybody immediately is. Just, oh, I want him to be good because of Kevin Durant. OK, well, you're the, the lone outlier. And of course, you I want are. Kevin Durant to be like uh, 35 points a game. You know, like I want to see. We, we actually we all want yeah. that. We all want the yeah. Nets to be good. We want I want all the teams to be good. It's more fun in the league when we have more good teams than bad teams. But I feel like the overhype is Steve Nash is going to bring so much. I'm a, and, I, and I, we've talked about it. I'm not as like convinced of that. And I I might be wrong. Um but we'll we'll see how it goes. I just think we're ignoring the, their problems defensively. I think we're ignoring the fact that 
I don't know how you're going to maximize guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, who's not a good shooter, not a floor spreader, but needs the ball in his hands to be effective. He's a good passer, a good playmaker, but if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, what's the point? You know, I think that's an issue. Terrace LeVert, same issue. Same stuff. They have a lot of guys that kind of have these problems, and I haven't and it, and it's not like they come back and I feel like okay well they give us value on the defensive end like no they don't they're they're bad there too so it's <laughs> it's I just look at it this way like I uh, honestly if I'm DeAndre Jordan I'm looking at the roster going like man I'm not coming to help I'm just gonna get in foul trouble every time you know right. <laughs> same for Jared Allen Jared Allen's just looking like I'm gonna get in the games for five minutes because I'm gonna pick up five fouls because you guys can't stop anybody. And I think that's that's an important aspect for this team that I'm really going to be interested in. And good luck to Jock Vaughn. He's manning the defense for the team. And, and you know, that's going to be a tough one to put together. I think the offense is also going to be kind of weird. I think they'll score, but it's going to be your turn, my exactly. turn, your turn, my turn. I I agree with everything Mo just said. And, that's a first. Stop you know, it, Joe. That's it. This is yeah, a twenty twenty first. But yeah, twenty twenty strikes again. <laughs> you know, this the seventh sign. I agree with. I'm Mo. just curious um, if the ceiling's falling. Like. <laughs> no, but but you're you, you, you're not letting me get to the bottom. Oh, go ahead, and so go here's ahead, the bottom. No, and no, but everything you're saying about like. All of all of what you just said, it all works if Kevin Durant is the second best player in the league. If Kevin Durant is kind of late prime Dirk, which is more what you were describing earlier, it's not good enough. Like right. they'll be frisky and fine, and he'll get shots and still be able to be. But if he's not that, and I just I it's so hard for me to conceive of him being at that level where it's like, oh, is Kevin Durant the best player or is it LeBron? Right. Um, and and that's what they're, you know, with as as kind of for them to just sheerly out talent folks with this odd collection of parts that they have. Um they need that, and that's I just don't think that's well, there. That's kind of the issue that I have, right? It is you are banking on Kyrie and KD both being like top t- top 15 players. Because that's what it takes. You gotta have two top 15 guys to win a title. But you, you, I don't, I don't buy that. That's going to be how they how they perform, because I'm skeptical about a guy coming back from the Achilles tear. Skeptical about Kyrie. I mean, remember he had a shoulder injury. He's had knee issues for his whole career. But they also don't have the complementary role players that championship teams need. Mo, like we talked a lot about what the Lakers did. I, I thought the Lakers made themselves. Uh, they insulated themselves with their off season for the regular season. And I don't think that they took away too much from what gave them all the success that they had in the playoffs. Yeah, no, this is one of those things. First off, like I thought, honestly, if the Lakers ran it back and stayed with everything, I wasn't convinced they were a finals team next year. I was, I wasn't like they're, they're a lock to get back to the finals next year. When I look at it with this team, I think the, I love what they did. I, they gave up some on defense. There's no question, but they made major gains offensively. And the most important thing, they they kept two things. One, they're going to be able to rest AD longer than before, and and LeBron. They're going to be able to give them longer breaks in between in games or whatever, or sit them a game. You know, depending on where they're at in the standings and things like that. And the other thing is they maintain their versatility. They can still play small. They can still play big. You know, the the I've seen and heard people talking about the Montrez Harrell thing and not liking it as much. And they're like, look, he and they bring up all his numbers with the Clippers and all of that's fair. 
except for the one fact of they're not going to use him the way the Clippers used him. The Clippers used Montrezl Harrell as a five. For the Lakers, I don't. I think he's very rarely going to be the five for them in the sense of or be by himself, you know, without Marcus Gasol or Anthony Davis on the court, you know, and that's or LeBron or, or LeBron. But like, I think those two guys in, in particular, Gasol or Davis, in that sense, kind of being a little bit of the backline de- defender there, because with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the backline defender. Like, that was his thing. And we all know that ain't Montrez Harrell's game. That's not what you want. And, right. that, you know, that was an issue. But with their ability, with Davis's ability to shoot, with Gasol's ability to shoot, if he freaking shoots, sometimes he, we all seen it where he kind of tends but to. The Laker, but with the Lakers, Gasol can record scratch and, because they're not relying on him to score. But, he, but what I'm saying is, like, but him being able to spread the floor allows them to mm-hmm. play with. Trez like that's why they couldn't play Zubac and Trez together with the Clippers because it was just clogging the paint and I think that's an important aspect I think that they're going to get out of this thing and then at the end of games I don't think he's playing when they're going small ball Davis is at the five LeBron's at the four Trez is on the bench it's just the way I look well, at that's it that's the most important yeah. thing right like he did their playoff rotation <laughs> pretty much gonna I mean they're gonna plug in Gasol for the for the series that he can play in but I mean, we saw what won him a title. I still think they're going to miss Danny Green at some point, but I don't think they're going to miss Danny Green enough that they don't win the title. Like, I, I they they should be far and away the favorites right now. It's it's them, and then I think the next tier down is the Bucks, and then kind of everybody else hanging out. I, I think you're you're going too far. I think by, the Lakers are really good. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> fine, but I think you're I think you're you're going too far by having them like. Uh, streets ahead of, of other teams. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the other LA team we'll, we'll talk about and we'll talk <laughs> about, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think they, I think that they are going to miss the defensive wing size that Danny Green gave them. And I don't think that Dennis Schroeder is someone who they are going to reliably be able to use deep into the playoffs for, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll play, but how much he'll play, how, mm-hmm. how much of, of an impact he'll have. Um, you know, will, will he give them as much as, as Rondo did in the playoffs this year? Now, I don't think if, if Ron, to, to piggyback off Mo, I don't think Rondo was going to give them what Rondo right. gave them in the playoffs last year. <laughs> so I don't, I don't dislike what they did. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense for as kind of woolly as this regular season is going to be that they have kind of this, almost this other, this complete other like offensive battery, which is just, you know, you can, you can back off of LeBron and, and AD because you can just run Schroeder, Harrell, pick and rolls. And in the regular season, that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, when it, you know, when we get to, you know, May, June, July, whenever the playoffs are. No, you had it right. You were right. You were right. You nailed <laughs> yeah. it. You I was, nailed it. Okay. You nailed yeah, yeah. It. Okay. I was impressed. Uh, yeah. Go, awesome. keep going. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of we'll see. All right. Well, so, okay. Let's go ahead and talk about the other LA team. They're they're on they're on our notes. Okay. Are you struggling to close deals? B two B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up 
up-to-date, first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. So the other LA team, I think that people um, are for sure too low on the Clippers. And, and I think one of the big things that we're forgetting is that the hiatus really messed up their plan because their plan was, you know, bring along Paul George slowly. Kawhi is going to be load managed. And then you're going to build your chemistry in the second half of the season going into the playoffs. It's a, It was a, a new team because you just added the two best players on the team, right? So you're going to have chemistry issues and have to develop those anyway. Um, the hiatus threw that for a loop. And then you're trying to do a rush chemistry job in the bubble where you had Lou Williams miss significant time, Trez miss significant time. Like, I think that we're just thinking about the last thing we saw, which is them blowing the 3-1 lead. And we're not thinking enough about like the 10 or 11 games that they had in like January or February, whenever it was that they looked really great. And everyone started saying, oh man, the Clippers are going to win the title. And I'm not saying that this is a team that's going to win the title. I do think getting a Baca is huge for them. A legitimate floor spacer who can legitimately protect the rim, which, you know, Jermichael Green was not that. Trez Harrell was not that. Now they've got options there and they can still play Zoo. They can play them together because Ibaka can space the floor. I think that they're going to be better than anyone's given them credit for. Chemistry, who cares to a certain degree? The talent matters there. I do think chemistry matters, but I think yeah. that we're, we're overlooking the talent and only focusing on the chemistry. No, this is- I also think we should... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we, we I mean, we should, we should note that they, that they, uh, assuming he's healthy, I think Luke Kennard was a nice pickup for them also. Uh, yeah. a little, I think he's a, a little bit more dynamic while uh, than Landy Shamit while also being, you know, a similar level of shooter. Really good pick and roll guy, by the way. Yeah. Sneaky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously like he, someone who's had a lot of knee issues in the last couple of years. So you, got to you know cross your fingers about the health there but i mean you you're 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 aiming for best case scenarios and and Shamit was is a nice player but i think that Kennard gives you more yeah no like first i want to dave when you're talking about last season and 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 the we did this we did the value the talent yep. over the chemistry we did it all last year and here's the thing you can't bank on 
we're going to build chemistry in the last 15 games of the season or the last 20 games of the season. I think it's something you have to do from the beginning. And this is something, and, and, and I agree with you in the, 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 the level of people thinking that like the, the Clippers are going to be terrible or anything. They're the second best team to me in the West. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. And they're a threat. I, I still think they're a threat to the Lakers. It's not, I, I, I honestly don't think it's, uh, anything that different. I think everything you said about Serge is better. I think he's going to even improve the chemistry in the locker room, just his relationship with Kawhi Leonard. But we got to talk a little bit about what Jovan Buha wrote, you know, in, in about the Clippers in the sense of in, on the athletic, uh, just kind of the, the disengagement is really the way I look at it with Kawhi Leonard in the team. You know, it's, it's, you, a lot of teams get star. A lot of players get star treatment, and and they should. A lot of these guys do. Some of the leeway they gave him was a bit odd to me, and and things like that. And I'm not even talking about the private room because we've seen several players kind of get their own room or their own space for pregames and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mainly Jordan. He's not Jordan, but a whole other story. Well, being a, look, a player being able to cancel practices, I, I I think if I was another player on that team, I, I would get pretty annoyed at that. Too. No, it, it's not even that. I'd be more pissed off allowing him to be late to team flights. That is a set time of when you're going to take off. And because he's coming from San Diego and he doesn't plan properly because of traffic or whatever, it's about a two, two and a half hour drive, you know, and, and he shows up late to the, and nobody's going to say anything like that's going to ruffle feathers. I think Paul George kind of being gifted the status that he, I don't think he really had earned is the other aspect of it. But I still think the team's good. I think they're one playmaker away from really just being on the exact level with the Lakers. But I think they're, they're, they're still really good. I don't think anybody's overlooking them, but I think they've learned from last year and they have to work on their chemistry from day one. It's not a thing of you can just bank on, we'll get it at the end of the season. Don't worry, it'll come. All right. So I, here's the question. How, how far is too far for the preferential treatment and star so power? I, I think that this that, that sort of how it comes about matters. I mean, you talk about a player canceling practice. I don't think they're the first team that's ever had a star not. player who's no, like, nah. Not. I think that they might be the first team who had a guy who just showed up yesterday who could do it. And I think that like, okay, you know, Tim Duncan has been on the Spurs for, you know, 15 years. He's like, nah, not today. Okay. That's, you know, uh, you know, by, by the, the end of his time in, in Minnesota, if Kevin Garnett had, or, 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 you know, or, you know, you think of any Steph player. Curry. Who's, yeah. Steph Curry yeah. could cancel practice. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that there's, that you've, you've built up that, ec- that organizational equity that you've been the guy there. Um, whereas, uh, you know, a guy who just like shows up and like, it's almost like you've negotiated this perk into your new, your contract to sign with the team. I mean, does anybody, that's where, that's where it becomes like, I mean, this is for sure. This was a promise. I'm sure. I don't part of why, you know what I mean? Like part of the negotiation process was, uh, I mean, you run this, I'm sure maybe, but, but it's also just like, uh, I, I mean, I think that, you know, could coach dealing with with difficult star player is always a sort of a fraught situation in the NBA and and it's like you kind of you let the first thing go and then who knows where you end up and you know it's the uh it's the old thing about boiling a frog slowly right ask for a little bit then ask for a little bit more then ask for it and it's like wait we're holding the flight for half an hour right it, it's, like, it's it's the thing too dave when you talk about like something that you negotiated or whatnot i feel like this just went way too far and it comes to the sense of 
you know, we, we joke about LeBron having all the power with the Lakers and all the power with Cleveland. And, and he has a lot of sway in those things. But there's a level, like, I would always respect Miami for just standing firm. And this is who we are, LeBron, like plain and simple and being mm-hmm. able to say no and stand up to him. And I think those are the organizations that have really kind of the, the, the best culture. Um, but also, no one would ever accuse LeBron of leading from behind. No, LeBron, like LeBron is, he's working out, he's in the gym. Like that's not an issue. And I don't think anybody's saying Kawhi is lazy. I, you know, I don't think there's, no, right. there's, there's any of that, no, no, but, no, but, but I just think there's a level of like, you have to develop time with your teammates. So at least you can earn that respect, right? They even, in, in Jovan's story, you know, Marcus Morris comes in, sees that there's a lack of leadership. He thinks he's going to fill that void. And he's telling Zoo what to do, and Zoo's looking at him, going like, "I've been, I'm having the best year of my career right now. Like, what are you telling? I'm doing everything the coaches are telling me. Why would I listen to you now?" And it's all of that stuff. And I think the the big thing is for this team, if if they're going to go as far as we all think they can go, Kawhi has to be that leader, or they have to bring in a guy who can be that leader. And that that's the biggest question. Well, uh, it's sort of – I think it's sort of related because we – I think we touched on it at the time. But I think I feel like the biggest differentiating factor in that Nuggets series was the Nuggets were in better shape. And that, you know, that's – it's. I think that's a – it's a different issue but it's certainly related to this sort of culture of accountability that, that we – that, you know, we, we want them to have is, is you know, it, there's there's being in shape and there's being in game shape. And the Clippers got tired at the end of games. And some of that is the weirdness of the bubble and, you know, maybe having a little bit of an older team than Denver did and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but to, you know, have what, it, what you need at the end of those playoff games, like that takes work. We, and that takes the whole team being together and doing the but work. But their problems wasn't just in the Denver series. They, they struggled in that Dallas yeah, series. Absolutely. True. And, and to be honest, they shouldn't have when Porzingis won out and was going to be out the rest of the that series. Like it shouldn't have been a six game series. Yeah, they dodged a bullet in hindsight with Porzingis being out. I think it actually uh, Dallas might have had a shot at beating them if Porzingis had been. If home. The legend of Luca would have been amazing so. had that happened. <laughs> It's it's already out of control. I love it. Well, you, uh, you, you always have Mar- you always have Marvin Bagley. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, all right, guys. So uh, preseason games a week from now, which just feels crazy that's to so say. Weird. What do you, what are you guys paying attention to this week? Uh, Seth, you go first. Um, I've actually okay uh, with with this past year's draft class having been down a little bit i've actually kind of enjoyed some of the uh, the early season uh, ncaa games seeing some of the uh some of the the guys who were, were gonna who are gonna be on tap uh, next year getting getting look at uh kate cunningham uh jalen johnson jalen suggs hopefully he's all right uh, I, See, I, I think he's heard- okay uh, yeah, it wasn't an Achilles. Yeah, but it was scary. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and and have have all been kind of impressive in the early season. So, um, you know, um, having having kind of detoxed from college basketball last year, watching a little bit of it this year is I've gotten my fill of it. You know what I'm really looking forward to? Is, more more games with Bill Walton. Oh, I love Bill Walton. <laughs> God, I'm, it is. I, I I love when he calls NBA games. I actually I think college presentation is just so good because so many of these guys like there's joy in the broadcast. 
Um, and, and I think that that's important for the sport. I would love to see the NBA do more of that. Speaking of Bill Walton, by the way, like joyous. Yeah, exactly. But I I do think that the team broadcasts do a good job of that. Usually it's the national stuff that I think we got to get better at, but, uh, I am very much looking forward to the mid range straw man arguments that are going to come out of the guys in this draft class, because there are some (laughs) really good, and because there are guys that are going to be stars in this draft class. So they're taking the star shot. They are like Kate Cunningham is taking that mid ranger comfortably. Zaire Williams is taking that mid ranger comfortably. Well, he's good. He's really good. I, look, I've been watching. I've watched more college basketball yeah. uh, live in the last you know ten days or whatever it's been going on than I probably have in like four years. Usually, I'm just watching on synergy and just watching clips and trying to tie things together. It's been fun. The games aren't great. Uh, but man, it's been fun. Mo, what about you, man? What are you, what are you paying attention I, I, I'm to? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the bad boy of this group. I am wa- you, not watching not a college. single second of college. <laughs> if college basketball ends up on my TV, it's an accident. I must have fallen asleep watching Sports Center or something. Um, and I'm looking for the remote the moment I wake up. Yeah, I'm just trying to kind of just deal with it. The, the NBA doesn't stop, Dave. We saw it yesterday with the trade. I, it's just trying to keep on top of that. And I'm trying to enjoy my last few days of sanity before. Uh, we really start going with preseason games and I mean the regular season's right behind that. By the way, I'm going to give a shout out to the University of Richmond for beating Kentucky. That Jacob Gilliard kid is fun. I didn't even know that happened, Dave. I'm man, look, I'm telling you, college basketball is back. It's fun. He's this the, the draft class this year is so good that I'm going to do my best to watch live college basketball. I'm already having a good time. Uh we're going to be back next week and Un- unbelievably uh, start talking about the regular season. So for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Give us a good review over on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. Go subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Go read Seth's article on Achilles. Go read Mo's piece on how everything can work out if John Wall is healthy. We'll be back next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.